everyone. It's that time of the year, isn't it? <laughs> Wonderful. But we will worship God from the depths of our heart and rejoice in his presence today for all that he has done and continues to do. It's for his life in us that we are alive today and we're able to be here to share together fellowship. So, Isaiah chapter 54, it says, Do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. In righteousness, you will be established. Shirani will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Amen. Amen. This is the Lord's promise. Last Sunday, we were looking at the theme of fear. So today, we will be, you know, in fact, more or less trying to wrap up um, the bit of it that we couldn't really because of time. And so we are talking this morning about bringing down the giants, the different kinds of giants that we face, not only fear, but, you know, we want to have that confidence to bring down every giant that is staring us in the face. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise this morning as we begin this worship. We pray that, Lord, your presence that's already here with us will guide us. Everything we do will be to the honor and to the glory of your holy name. We ask, dear Lord, that you will envelop us, Lord, with your anointing. Touch each and every one of us, O God Almighty, and inspire us by your Holy Spirit. We pray by the end of the service, as we leave, we will go in out of this place, Lord, confident that we have been with our God. And we are going out, O God, to face any giants out there. And Lord, bringing victory in the name of Christ. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. May your name be exalted, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Morning. Right, the first reading is a familiar one from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 17, starting at verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around 
because he wasn't used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. Tension's building, isn't it? He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsomeness, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with these sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. But David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saved, saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down onto the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and, <clears throat> and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Right, in the New Testament, 1 John, chapter 4, and verses 17 to 19. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Wow. There is no fear in love, 
But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. But we love because he has first loved us. May God bless his word to us. So, David and Goliath, we know very well that story, don't we? You know, right from primary school days, there's stories that were told, and we all grew to think about this little boy. David was a shepherd boy. He was watching over the parents' sheep. But it was a war time. And David didn't by himself decide to go to war front. His dad called him and said, David, take this food to your brothers. So when you begin to see the reaction of his brother, you begin to wonder why was he reacting that way. But I say there must have been a kind of, you know, history in the family, sibling rivalry maybe, because he was asking, yes, David, I know why you are here. You just want to show yourself off. That's why you've come out here. But David went because the dad was concerned about his children who were in the war front. If nothing else, at least him have food. So David took the food to his brothers. And out there, he encountered this giant. Maybe it was news all over the country that they are facing this giant. And nothing was happening because the giant knew he had them under his control. He said, there's no need for the soldiers to fight and kill themselves. Just one to one. If you defeat me, then you've won. But if I defeat you, we've won, and you become our slaves. And they knew this man was this big. When I looked at the uh, scriptural description of how tall, Goliath was. I've never thought about it because, you know, when you read these things, you say, okay. But I went back and checked. It says this guy was three meters high. <laughs> now, I don't know if this roof uh, ceiling is up to, yeah, I think it should be up to three meters, you know. Um, maybe three meters will be somewhere up there, okay. Because I'm just one point um, five eight, I think. So, which means, oh, one point eight. Okay. Now that's more. Yeah, that's more like double my height. <laughs> now think about it. If my height were doubled, okay, let's do a very physical. You know, this is where I am now. Doubling myself will be somewhere near the arch up there. Now imagine how tall this guy was. And David, young boy, coming to this place and hearing these threats and roar from this guy. And saying, come out, I'm here. What do you want to do? Come and face me. Anyone? Today goes, nobody summons the courage. By the way, remember... Saul, who was the king at the time, 
was a very mighty warrior. He had led Israel to different battles and won. And on this occasion, Saul himself couldn't even muster the courage to come out to face Goliath. So that went on and David now came into the scene and was hearing this. Just like, what's going on here? He probably has thought about all the generals in the Israeli army. What has happened to all of these people? And he began to ask questions. That's when his brother became angry with him and thought, come on, go back to the ship. Why did you abandon that in the bush? Coming here to show yourself up. David left him and went again, asked another person. And I can imagine that something was tearing in him. And I believe that was God's spirit working in David. And David beginning to think, I can do this. I can do this. But I can do it in the power of the Lord. Not because he had that power to fight Goliath, but something was tearing in him. And this gigantic figure standing there, David said, can someone put me forward? They said, hey, come on, go home. But he insisted and they took him over to Saul, the king. And Saul looked and said, hey boy, you're a young boy, please just go home. David wouldn't take that. He insisted. And Saul thought, all right, well, if nothing else, let me just equip him. Take my armor, everything, and he put it on David. <laughs> and David couldn't really even lift the sword and everything. And David took that off him and dropped it. Because he knew that wasn't where the victory was going to come from. He knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. He knew if anyone was going to face this giant, then you couldn't just do it by conventional weaponry. You couldn't just go by a physical fight. This was something more than a physical. And you can imagine, if you go to... First John that we read, you will see there something that was said about fear. Okay? We read First John chapter 4 and verses 17 to 19. It says there, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. I mean, if you are if, if Goliath was a loving, caring person and just, hey, let's go partying. It doesn't matter how tall he was, people will come along partying with him. But it wasn't about love on this occasion. That's why it says perfect love. In another translation, King James said, cast away fear. So it wasn't about love. It was about threats. It was about fear. There is no fear in love. 
which means fear only happens when something else is taking place. And the scripture says, perfect love drives away fear. Because fear, in this translation, NIV says, has to do with punishment. But in another translation, the King James Version says, fear has to do with torment. So fear torments people. Israel was tormented by this guy who felt, no, there's no point in the whole army killing themselves. Just think about what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. Maybe one of the soldiers from one side says, okay, let's settle it this today. Bring your best soldier, and I'll bring my best soldier forward, and let them fight it out. Whoever defeats the other, then they have won. So that happened because Goliath wanted that and nothing else. But that wasn't what Israel could do because they knew that the thing was killed against them. It was clear they were going to lose. So there's no point going into a battle that you're going to lose. There's no fear in love. The perfect love casts away fear. There is torment in fear. But when God comes into something, that torment goes. That fear is chased away. And so, last Sunday, we were looking at every angle that we could see fear from, whether it was the physical, you know, biological, physiological, you know, psychological, any sense, and including the spiritual angle to it. So, one of the ways to face your fear or to deal, bring down your giant, is to confront it, not to run away. Remember, we talked about the flight and the fight. And I think that the Lord has empowered us to face that giant that may be confronting us even today in the face, in the eye, and say, you can't do anything because God is with me. Amen. And that's what David did. David confronted the situation. He confronted Goliath and said, look, I'm coming after you. And Goliath looked at him and said, whoa, the whole of Israel, you have nothing else but this little boy. He began to use all kinds. Of course, he's a bully. He's been doing that all along. But he brought scorn. He said, this little boy, you're coming against me with stick. What do you think I am? I'll deal with you now, and I'll teach you a lesson. And David could have done what? Come back. Thank you, uh, Brian, for that pause. Uh, you know, when you read about David actually marching forward, because he would have been backing away. But no, David knew that this was, this was a battle to fight. But not by his own power, not by his own wisdom, but he had to stir him in the face. I said, I'm coming after you. Hallelujah. I'm coming after you, Goliath. I know you have been doing this, but right now, I'm coming after you. Because this is not going to continue. He said, you are bringing down the name of God. And it's in the name of that same God I'm coming after you. 
So the next thing we can do when we face our giant is to realize that the battle belongs to the Lord. David knew that. And he confessed that. And he stood by it. Because he knew that ordinarily the best soldiers of Israel were not able to stand up to this man. But if anyone was going to fight, it has to be by the power of the Lord. David knew the battle belongs to the Lord. And God was fighting his corner. The book of Romans, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If you know God is with you, then it gives you confidence to face whatever challenges in life you have. Could even be financial challenges, health challenges. It could be a situation that you're wondering, how will I deal with this? But if God is on your side, don't worry how. But be confident in what God can do. Because a lot of times we think about the how, 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 how will this be? But I have seen God in so many ways in my life that I'm not concerned more about the how, but to be sure that God is with me. If God is with me, then everything else will pale. Because it's just a matter of time. I will come crashing. Because God is with you. That big giant, he stood there. And David had to face him because he knew. Let's read a couple of scriptures. Because the weapon, you see, again, we said it's not just physical. David, yes, he had his staff. He had his catapult or sling. He had those pebbles he picked. But what is that compared to the sword? What's that compared to the shield? What's that compared to this man who was well kitted? He was wearing his, you know, as they did in those days, you know, metallic armor right from their head to their feet. Now, how is it that with all the helmets he was wearing, the only place the stone could find was the very tiny little part of the forehead? Wow. It could only be God. Amen. It could only be God. And so when David took that, he knew that his weapon wasn't enough to do that. That sling wasn't enough to do that. And so what does 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us? He says, the weapons we fight with are not what? Weapons of this world. Some people use lies. Some people use all kinds of you know, bullying tactics. He says, the weapon we fight with as believers are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are what? They have divine power to do what? Demolish strongholds. Goliath was a stronghold. But was it defeatable? Yes. Did it happen? Yes. And is God saying, your giants can come down? Yes. Whatever giants they are today. Just begin to tell yourself you're going to come down like Goliath. Amen. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, you cannot take captive of a thought physically. It is something that is spiritual. Amen. 
It is something that you begin to pray and say, God, turn around what the enemy has meant for evil. And then we go on to see Ephesians. Remember that scripture about the full armor. Now, you think about Goliath and his physical armor, but David was a boy, had nothing with him. The armor that um, Saul had given him, he had removed it and said, no, I can't go with this. I have not tried this before. He was going without anything. Wow. Facing this big giant. And so the Bible says, you, believer in Christ, put on the full armor of God. And it goes on to tell us, so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Goliath was that devil's scheme. It doesn't matter how the scheme is. When you put on the full armor of God, you can face this giant that seems insurmountable. And you will begin to stand by this armor. Now it says, for our struggle, once again it's repeated, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Wow, there are forces, spiritual, that are active in our world today. And God is saying, those are the powers that you are fighting as a child of God. Then it repeats again, therefore, knowing that this is what you're facing, put on the full armor so that when the evil day, the day of evil comes, you may be able to do what? Stand your ground. <laughs> like David did. He did not only stand his ground, he went against this giant and said, come. And while he was still scorning and despising, David was already making his pronouncement. Hallelujah. He said, I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. The person that you have derailed, the person that you have railed against, the person that you are trying to demean. Today, I'm coming against you, not by the weapons that you have, not by sword, but by something bigger than those swords. Hallelujah. So that when the evil day comes, you may stand. Now, look at those armors. Verse 14. The belt of truth, every child of God, hold the truth so dear. It doesn't matter how high the lies are, when the truth comes out and people see it, the lie will come crashing. Hallelujah. So put on the belt of truth. It's important. If you're wearing your clothes and you know that the trouser is bigger than your waist, you need a belt to hold it up, don't you? <laughs> so put on the belt. That belt is important. Any soldier going to war wants to make sure that what they're wearing is well coordinated and is very much the size, not oversized. Put on this belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. This soldier will come to war with the breastplate because they want to make sure they defend their heart. When the arrow, you know, and the spears come, it hits here, it doesn't pierce because why? There is the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness you have in Christ is what? covers your heart. 
a sword defends you from all the arrows, the fiery darts of the enemy. So put on that breastplate of righteousness. And with your feet, woo, the gospel of peace, the gospel of God. Speak the gospel. And in addition to all this, take on the shield of faith. Yes, you may have the breastplate of righteousness, but you also need the shield. So when they are fighting, you can defend yourself with the shield. And what is that shield? The shield of faith. Your faith is important. Without faith, David couldn't face Goliath. The shield of faith. With which you do what? Extinguish. In those days, they used to have not only ordinary arrows, they would have flaming arrows. So that as they throw it, it goes into the enemy's camp, is killing and is setting the camp ablaze. So your shield is to stop those flaming arrows from hitting its target or from burning down, you know, anything you have. Because God has given you that particular shield of faith. People of God, we can't do without the faith in Jesus Christ. And then take on the helmet of salvation. Now, Goliath was coming with physical helmets, but David had the helmet of salvation. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, we as believers going into battle must have the helmet of salvation. David knew that his salvation was the Lord. That's why in the psalm it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So he had the helmet of salvation on. And if you're going to fight any spiritual battle, you need to put on your salvation. Coming to church is not enough, people. You must have a personal faith in Christ. You must be sure you're born again. You're giving your life to Jesus Christ. You've turned your heart to him. And your life has been transformed. That's the helmet of salvation. So whatever is coming crashing, you're safe. Because you have the helmet. The salvation of the Lord is covering you. Your head. Because sometimes you don't know something coming to crash. You know, there was this, this, this person who was walking down the street. And he had his, you know, um, nice suitcase. And you look at him, an elderly man. He had his suitcase. And it seemed he was coming from the bank. In those days, not in the cashless society we have today. But you have your money physical, you know, cash. And as he was going down the street, here came this young man rushing after him. And those who were looking at him immediately thought, wow, a robbery is taking place in daylight. It wasn't until what happened happened that people realized that actually it wasn't a robbery. Because as soon as he got to this man, he pushed him out of where he was walking down the aisle, and it was that something a crane was carrying was actually coming from up there and crashing just at that spot. If that young man didn't see it from where he was and ran to push this man, the man would have been crushed by that. So, what we see isn't always what it is. The flaming arrows that the enemy, you know, throws at you. The helmet of salvation helps you to cover you. And finally, the sword of the Spirit. He says it's the word of God. 
Because you must fight back the sword of the Spirit. David knew. But David had no physical sword. So I believe he had that sword of the Spirit. Because he knew God was fighting with him. So you, a believer today, you need this sword of the Spirit to be able to face Goliath. He says, the Lord who delivered me. Your testimony. Thank you, um, Sheila, for offering to share your testimony this morning. Testimony is very, very important. We didn't discuss this, did we? <laughs> you know, since the day we came to pray with you. But the point is, uh, testimony is important. A lot of times, believers don't know. They think if they share their testimony, is for one thing or the other. No. One, you're giving glory to God. Any testimony so-called that doesn't give glory to God, it's not a testimony. Your testimony is supposed to give glory to God, number one. Number two, your testimony becomes another weapon to fight the enemy. Because David said, look, that God who delivered me when I faced the lion and the bear and all of that, and God set me free, that same God is going to deliver me today. Amen. What has God done for you in the past? You can stand on that testimony to say to Satan, there's nothing you can do. You say to your fear, there's nothing you can do because God has done greater things before now. Amen. Because the devil wants to, you know, make you give up. Now, one last scripture I think we're going to read is Revelation. You can write down some of this scripture. In the book of Revelation, there was something that was going on in the spiritual realm. The Bible says there was a battle. There's always a battle. The war, then war broke out in heaven. Wow. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. That was when there was a mutiny. The devil wanted to take over. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. And who is that great dragon? Remember last Sunday we talked about the serpent. The ancient snake called who? The devil and Satan, who leads the whole world astray. That's a lie. That's the fear he uses. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, the devil is always the accuser, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Now look at verse 11. If you are able to see what is up there, let's read verse 11 together. One, two, go. They triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. David didn't love his life to run away from. He could have done that. No, but he confronted, you know, Goliath. He came. These people, the people of God today, 
We need to confront the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And by another thing, what? The word of our testimony. Always learn to share your testimony. Even if it's a little thing. Do you know that just about finding a space in a car park could be the difference between you meeting your hospital appointment and you not meeting it. Between you missing a job interview and you meeting it. Just a car space in a car park. So don't take anything for granted. Because a lot of times God blesses you. You want the big one to happen before you begin to share your testimony. No. Share every testimony. Whatever God has done for you. And I want this church to be the church where, in fact, every Sunday people will be saying, George, I've got a testimony today. Hallelujah. And we can bless one another by the word of our testimony. Oh, yes, I come back to that great audacious faith and declaration that we can begin to look at it. Because if David didn't have that audacious faith, he won't stand against Goliath. He can't come out. When every other person has chickened out, David would have just bailed. But no, David had that faith. Now let's see finally what David says. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you, hallelujah, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Look at little boy David talking like this to Goliath, a seasoned soldier. And he's telling him what he's going to do. But these have not happened yet. But David was declaring what was going to happen. Look, when you pray sometimes, begin to make declarations. Hallelujah. Begin to make declarations. And you see God answering. When Elijah made a declaration, he said, three and a half years, there will be no rain. But he declared it, and God honored his word. So, David said, I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword and spear that the Lord saves. Amen. Look at it again. Not by sword and spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. He had his sling. Yes. He had his, you know, pebbles or stones. Whatever they were. Yes. So he's someone who knew. Yes, there's a place for the physical, you know, armor or weapon. But actually, that's not as important as God being with you. So we need that balance once again before we finish. Could be physiological. Fear has its, you know, roots. Neurological in the brain. The enemy is using all kinds of things. Speaking into your mind and you're just wondering and afraid and all of that. He's telling you all kinds of lies and making you believe. Could be psychological. And then begins to deal on your emotion. And you begin to shed tears and fear comes over you. But also know there is a spiritual aspect to it. And when you have that balance, 
you can face the enemy. You can say to him, whatever you have, bring it on. <laughs> whatever you have, do what? Bring it on. I'm here to face you. People of God, we're going to pray. I don't know what kind of thing is the fear that is confronting you today. I don't know what kind of thing that is a challenge that you may be having today. But whatever it is, it is not greater than our God. The scripture says, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Have you been praying over something? God can still do it. In fact, God has done it. Only for you to believe it. Only for you to begin to declare it. Only for you to use the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the fight of the enemy. Jesus used the sword of the spirit when Satan came to tempt him. He said, it is written, you shall serve the Lord your God alone. No, it is written. He, he knew. So today, begin to study the word of God. Even just one scripture is enough. You don't need to have the knowledge of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. No, just trust God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord, this morning for your word. Lord, everything that has brought fear to your people, everything that has brought the bondage and the, you know, the, the, the power of this serpental spirit that wants to, Lord, snuff out the life, the breath out of your people. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we bind all of that and cast out in the name of Jesus. Well, Father, we bring our prayers before you. That whatever it is that faces us in challenge, the Lord, you will remind us of your word. Your word where you have promised us. He says, I will be with you. You say, fear not, for I am with you. Yes, Lord, we pray this morning. As we rebuke that spirit of fear and anxiety. Lord, the enemy wants to make it to progress, to become a disorder. We refuse to bow to that Lord Almighty pressure to make us a God given to all of those. Whatever they are called, we refuse to accept, O oh God, their authority over our lives. Yes, Lord, why we recognize that these things happen. But Lord, you want us to know that you have delivered us. And so this morning, we bring before you every of our concerns and we ask the Lord you will take absolute control. Be magnified ancient of days. Thank you for hearing our prayer. We worship and adore you O God today as we face the rest of our day as we prepare to enter our new week. Whatever your people have before them in this new week we speak into the week before us. You are going to be a good week. We are going to have peace. You will be a week when we shall enjoy the presence of God. You will be a week when we will have testimonies following us. The Bible says goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Father, we begin to receive the manifestation and the realization of those words. That goodness and mercy will follow us. We will see, Lord, the manifestation of your glory and your power. 
thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer today. Lord, for all those who have traveled, we pray for journey mercies, wherever they are. Lord, help them to enjoy their time away. Help them, Lord Almighty, to experience you even where they are far away. Because, Lord, you are everywhere across the world. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because we know you have answered our prayers. And you have done it far and above what we can ever think or imagine. May your name be exalted. Even those who will be traveling this coming week or the week after, Lord, throughout this holiday season, we commit them also into your hands. Grant your people journey mercies. Grant your people safety. Protect them, O oh God, wherever they find themselves. And we will come back here, O oh God, and share testimonies of what you did throughout the holiday season. Thank you. May your name be exalted. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.